The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 128 A Hard Lesson About Greed Drought had caused food to be scarce. When a small amount of food had been donated to feed a hundred students, a servant barked when Elisha instructed him to begin distributing it. Does Elisha know what he is doing? The man thought. How can so few loaves of bread and vegetables feed so many? Sensing his servant's hesitation, Elisha said, Pass out the vegetables and bread as they ask. You will see that it will be more than enough. More than a little worried, the man began to hand out the bread. The ones who don't get any food probably are not going to be very happy with me, he grumbled to himself. But then, the servant noticed something. The basket with the food wasn't getting any lighter. He continued passing out the barley loaves and corn, and the supply remained. Before long, almost everyone had been fed. He looked around in astonishment. Was someone putting bread into his basket when he wasn't looking? Was he going crazy? He quickly began handing out bread as fast as he could to see if he could empty the basket. It was futile. More and more bread kept appearing. Finally, once everyone had eaten their fill, he brought the still full basket back to Elisha who was now sitting eating bread with a grin of satisfaction on his face. Elisha's servant was learning that if you are loyal to God and submit to the instructions of his leaders, he will perform miracles both small and great for his people. During this period, Syrian raiders often dashed across the border into Israel, pillaging and stealing. On one of these excursions, they captured a young Israelite girl whom they carried with them back to Syria. Eventually, she became a servant to the wife of a powerful Syrian army commander named Naaman. Naaman was a mighty man of valor with an honorable reputation throughout the land. God actually used this man to bless Syria by giving him victories in battle. Because of this, the king of Syria had great respect and admiration for him. But Naaman had a problem. Despite his great strength, honor, and wealth, he also had leprosy, a dreaded bacterial disease that was slowly deforming him and eating away his flesh. It was a disease that, if not healed, could eventually kill him. One day, the young Israelite maid, who had grown to respect her captors, told Naaman's wife about Elisha. 
If only my master would go to visit the prophet in Samaria. Elisha has done many miracles. He has parted rivers and saved three armies from dying in the desert. He has even raised the dead. I am sure that he could ask God to heal your husband. Perhaps Naaman's wife did not believe her. But someone else who overheard the conversation ran to tell Naaman what he had heard. One of the servants says there's an amazing prophet in Israel who has done mighty miracles. Have you heard of this Elisha? If he can raise the dead, surely it would be a small thing for him to heal you of your leprosy. Naaman took the matter to the king of Syria. The king willingly granted his request. Go to this Elisha, he said. I have heard of his powers and of the miracles of his former teacher Elijah. I will write you a letter to the king of Israel asking for his cooperation. Naaman wasted no time departing, taking several servants with him, as well as plenty of money and expensive garments. He set out for Samaria. When Jehoram, the king of Israel, heard that the famous Naaman was coming to visit, he was immediately suspicious. That suspicion quickly turned to anger and fear after he read the letter from the Syrian king. He was so upset that he jumped up and ripped a long tear in his royal robes, a sign of extreme emotion. Who does the king of Syria think I am? He shouted. Does he think that I am God? That I can raise people from the dead? How am I supposed to heal this man of leprosy? He must be looking for an excuse to start another war. Elisha had heard about Naaman's visit and the letter from the Syrian king. He sent a note to Jehoram before the king could do anything rash. Why have you torn your clothes? Elisha wrote to Jehoram. Send Naaman to me. The king of Syria is not trying to pick a fight, but perhaps God wants to show this commander who the real God is and that there is a true prophet of God in Israel. Soon, Naaman arrived at Elisha's, riding on his fancy chariot and followed by his servants on expensively decorated horses. His entourage waited for the prophet to greet them. To their surprise, a rather plain-dressed man emerged from the house. Are you Elisha, the great prophet? Naaman asked. I am his servant, the man replied. Elisha said to tell you to dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times and you will be healed. The servant then turned around and went back into the house. Naaman was outraged. So Elisha will not show his face and address me himself? He thought. Doesn't he know that I am an important general of Syria? Surely I am worth a couple of minutes of his time to wave his hands over me and chant some prayers or something. He tells me to wash in the muddy Jordan River? Naaman scoffed. The waters of Syria are far cleaner. Doesn't it make more sense to wash in them? This prophet doesn't know what he's talking about. Let's get out of here and go home. Naaman turned his chariot and raced away in rage. On their way back to Syria, they soon neared the Jordan River. It was then that one of Naaman's servants tactfully 
broached the subject of giving Elisha's instructions a try. If Elijah had bid you to do some great feat or embark on some challenge, wouldn't you have done it for the chance to be healed? Just because what he suggested isn't a complicated process doesn't mean it won't work. Having had time to cool off, Naaman was in a more logical state of mind. Okay, I will give it a try, he said. He led the party down to the Jordan dismounted from his chariot and walked into the river. He remembered Elisha's instructions to wash seven times. Though doubtful, he decided to follow the instructions completely. After plunging himself into the river seven times, he walked out of the water and realized he felt quite different. Looking down, he discovered that his skin had become like that of a healthy young boy. It's gone! Naaman yelled in shock as water ran down into his eyes. I am completely healed! Naaman's men swarmed around him with unabashed curiosity. We have to go back to Elisha to thank him! The emotional Naaman ordered. Hours later, when Elisha heard the sound of hoofbeats approaching, he knew that Naaman must have exactly followed his instructions. The Syrian commander wouldn't have been healed if he had dipped only six times. One must follow God's instructions precisely in order to receive his blessings. Opening the door and walking outside, Elisha was greeted by a beaming Naaman. You must be Elisha, Naaman said. I am, Elisha responded. The leprosy is gone, Naaman shouted. The only way that could have happened is that your God is the real God. No other so-called God could have done this miracle. Perhaps God has healed you so that more people would realize that, Elisha said. I want to give you something for what you have done for me, Naaman declared. Please let me give you a gift, or perhaps some silver or gold to help with your work. Nothing is necessary, Elisha replied. It was not of my power that you were healed. Elisha would not take payment or even credit for something God had done. He truly was God's servant and an honorable man. Elisha simply wanted Naaman to know God. Naaman was impressed. If you won't take anything, then let me take two burrow loads of dirt back home with me so that I can make an altar to offer burnt offerings to God. From now on, I will not worship my old gods, he said. No doubt you will be blessed for that, Elisha said. There might be times, however, that when my king commands me to go with him into the house of Rimon, the Syrian god of thunder and rain, I will have to bow down to the idol. I won't really be worshipping Rimon in my heart, though. I hope God will pardon me for that, Naaman added. Go in peace, Elisha said. I will pray that God gives you the courage not to bow down to an idol just because you are afraid of offending your king.
When Elisha's servant Gehazi saw the Syrian ride away, he was upset. He let Naaman off cheap, he thought. Elisha could have taken at least a little money. There are so many things I could have. I mean, we could have used the money for. Gehazi's mind began to whirl and a devious plan developed. Naaman and his men had gone just a few miles when he noticed someone running fast to catch up with them. The runner looked familiar. Is everything okay? Naaman asked when he stepped out of his chariot to meet Gehazi. Is all well with your master? Elisha sent me to try and catch you. Gehazi lied. Just after you left, two men from one of the schools in Mount Ephraim arrived. The school is very poor. Unless something is done, it will be forced to close. If you could only see the poor young men, their clothes are threadbare. It is obvious that they are in great need. My master didn't want to ask you for help, but this is such an emergency. And then he realized that the timing of your arrival and offer of assistance must not have been coincidence. I will do anything I can to help, Naaman offered. Just name it. Elisha said to ask if you could spare a talent of silver to help pay the school's bills and two changes of garment for the young men. Gehazi responded. It is obvious what a great work Elisha is doing. Naaman replied. Please take two talents of silver. I am sure it will be put to good use. My two servants will help carry the garments and the silver back for you. Gehazi's eyes glazed over in greedy anticipation of all the things he could buy. He could live a life of luxury. The silver alone weighed more than 200 pounds. He could buy cattle, sheep, and vineyards. He could have his own servants. But as he and the servants neared the outer walls of Elisha's house, Gehazi was confronted with a problem where to hide the spoils from Elisha. Thank you for your help, but I can't take it from here, Gehazi told the two men. Elisha is busy at this time of day and would not want to be disturbed. I will take it into the house later. The men laughed to catch up with Naaman. Later that day, after hiding the silver and fancy clothes, Gehazi went back into the house to see if there was anything Elisha needed. I didn't see much of you this afternoon, Elisha casually commented to Gehazi. Did you go somewhere? Gehazi didn't know it, but God had revealed to Elisha what he had done, and Elisha was giving him a chance to confess the truth. Gehazi knew it was wrong to lie, but he didn't want Elisha to know what he had done. I didn't go anywhere, he responded. Elisha then confronted him. My heart grieved when I learned that you ran after Naaman, he said. I know what you did, and it was wrong to take money for yourself from a man because of a miracle God performed. You could have damaged God's reputation and affected Naaman's perception of God. Since you are willing to lie so you can have sheep, oxen, and many servants like Naaman, you can have something else of his too, his leprosy. Stunned disbelief overtook Gehazi as he tried to understand the full meaning of Elisha's words. When he glanced down, 
he noticed his hands and arms turning sickly white. The full force of what he had done struck him, and he turned and ran out of the room. It was foolish of Gehazi to think he could hide something from God. He had been caught lusting after material things and had let greed pervert his thinking. Had Gehazi continued to obey God, God would have provided everything he needed. But because he put those things in front of God, he received a terrible punishment. The next miracle recorded about Elisha again involves the students at one of his colleges. The sons of the prophets were facing a problem. Their college building was getting too small and the students wanted to build a bigger place. They didn't have enough land, so they asked Elisha if they could build in another area, down by the Jordan. Elisha liked the idea and agreed to accompany them. While the students were chopping down some tall trees, an accident happened. The axe head one of the young men was using flew off the handle and dropped into the river, sinking to the bottom. Master, he cried to Elisha, the axe was borrowed and I don't have the money to buy a new one. This student had character and he was emotional about losing something that didn't belong to him. Don't worry, you will get it back, Elisha said. Where did it fall? Over there in the deep part of the river, the student responded. The students watched with curiosity as Elisha proceeded to cut a small branch from a tree and toss it into the river. Then, to their amazement, the water began to bubble and the iron axe head floated to the surface where it bobbed next to the floating branch. Quick, get it before it sinks again, one of the servants yelled. Elisha wasn't worried. No need to get wet, he said. Let it float to you. Because this student was so faithful and obedient to God, the axe swam to him. It was an inspiring miracle from the great God who was working in the lives of these students. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story, find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church. 